I'm going to need some sermon examples real quick. We're going to start off right off the bat with a, a visual. Cody and Zeke, can y'all, can y'all come up? All right, y'all just stay down there. My money's on Zeke. <laughs> <laughs> right, if you could just walk from here down to, down to the DJ booth, I promise there's not going to be any right set for it music. Y'all see how easily he's walking? Now kind of on your way back, walk and like zigzag, like go to the left and to the right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Now for the the second time around, I'm gonna have to put the mic down. Put your weight on it. Zeke, just, now just walk. Just walk? Just walk. Oh! oh. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> just keep trucking along. Cut it, uh, well, give it a little. Give it a little. <laughs> Alright, now make your way back. And uh, I haven't... I, I kind of saw this in my mind, but he tried to do the whole zigzag thing. <laughs> All right, don't break that noise, no, no. All right, yeah, y'all good. Y'all can sit down. Thank you. Thank y'all. <laughs> I know that looks really silly. I promise it's going to make sense. So, tonight is Wednesday, August 10th, 2011. And the title of tonight's message is The Sharper Image. Not to be confused with the electronics store. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, it's closed. They shut down. So, awesome. Uh, I'm going to put the copyright on this one, then. Um, well, what that was supposed to be an image of in my mind, and uh, I kind of saw that in my mind because I had previously done that, either sprinting or uh, doing bear crawls. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Uh, I-, I thought of the image of carrying your cross daily. Uh, a couple, I think it was two Sundays ago, not this last Sunday, but the Sunday before that Eric preached on going out of business. And he talked about how no matter where Jesus was headed that day, he was ultimately headed towards the cross. And that's, that's where our lives need to be headed. And um, out of Luke 9, 23, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And um, I got to thinking, what, what's that supposed to look like? I mean, it, obviously, if you were to pick up a cross, if you would picture Zeke as Jesus or as any one of us that's supposed to take up our cross daily, what's that supposed to look like? Obviously, it's heavy. It's, it's a very weighty thing to have that, I mean, 
it stood, I don't know how many feet up in the air, and it was, it was wide enough to, to span Jesus' arms. And it was made of solid wood. It was obviously a very heavy thing. So in this equation, Cody would be uh, the cross that, that Zeke is carrying. Um, and as heavy as the cross is, um, I promise you, it's nothing compared to the weight of what your sinful nature and my sinful nature was bearing down on us. And I mean, if we would have kept that on, it would have kept pushing us down and down and down until we got to hell. Um, and Luke 14, 27 said, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And so to put on the cross daily means to prepare yourself to crucify what you want, to crucify your flesh. Um, and I thought, what, I mean, what does that look like to me? And what, what's that look like in my life? And uh, with that, I mean, the, the formula for us getting life was for Jesus to give his. And I mean, our sin cost Jesus his life, as the message uh, taught us. It cost God his son. And uh, I mean, why would we think that the formula would change when it comes from Jesus to us? I mean, give up a life to get life. Jesus gave up his. Now we have life. We give up ours every day for the life that he gave us. And um, how do you get to the next slide on this thing? Push down. Arrow down. Arrow down? Oh, awesome. And what that cross looks like every day is putting on the righteous requirements of God that are, that are in his word, that are in what he's already told you to do um, every day. Walking with that cross, walking with uh, the weight that you know is there that, that God has put on you. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But he never said that there is no burden, that there is no yoke. It's just a lot lighter than, than the sin that you were trying to bear all those years that I was trying to bear. Um, but there is still a yoke. And in Deuteronomy 5, 32-33, uh, the Lord says, So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. I think one Sunday before Eric preached going out of business, he preached about, about the king's highway, about not going to the right or to the left of what the Lord's commanded you talking about the, the Israelites wanting to pass through uh, a foreign land and saying, we'll, we'll stay on the King's Highway. We promise we won't go to the right or to the left. And the reason I had Zeke, Zigzag, or Zigzag, you like that? Uh, is because I, wa I wanted y'all to get the imagery of the fact that it was harder to go to the right or to the left whenever you were putting on those righteous requirements every day. Whenever you were preparing yourself to crucify your flesh every day, it made a noticeable impact on what you were carrying around and it put some weight to you whenever you tried to go to the right or the left. Was it was it easier to zigzag whenever you had Cody or no Cody? It made him stumble. It, it made him stumble whenever he was trying to zigzag to the left and to the right whenever he had Cody or, or the cross on him. And just like you're supposed to just like the full armor of God is supposed to be on you every day, you put on these righteous requirements so that you you have something to compare and contrast with what your flesh is trying to scream at you on a daily basis. You, you pick up that, you pick up the word and put it in you and add that to what, what's, what's there so that less of you is there and more of, of, what, of what Jesus is and what Jesus told you to do is there on a daily basis so you can combat whenever those thoughts that put themselves up against um, 
the knowledge of God like 2 Corinthians 10 says. Either 2nd or 1st. 2nd? 2nd. 10-5. It's basically saying to, to combat things that don't line up with the Word of God. Take captive those thoughts that don't line up with the Word of God. What? It's just some more examples of going to the right or to the left. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. They've been just they just been set free from uh, slavery, and there was a clear path marked out for them. And behind them, the the wall was closing in, causing death for the Egyptians. And to their right and to their left was the very same death that they just tried to escape. If they were to go to the right or to the left and wind up in the water, they would meet the same demise that the Egyptians did, uh, which is the, the death that the, that the Egyptians had. This is from uh, Eric's message. Please let us pass through your country. We will not go through any field or vineyard or drink water from any well. We will travel along the King's Highway and not turn to the right or to the left until we have passed through your territory. <laughs> And uh, Isaiah thirty twenty one. whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. That, that voice is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you, you start to turn to the right or to the left, there's always the conviction of the Holy Spirit uh, there telling you, no, this is the way, this is how you're supposed to walk in it. The Holy Spirit's there to remind you of what the Word says, to remind you of the path that's clearly marked out for you. And uh, whether... Whether how loud or how quiet that voice is depends on how much you, you sow into it. How much you feed the, the Holy Spirit working in you rather than feed your flesh. And if, if you go to the right or to the left, keep, keep in mind that you're, you're carrying not only the righteous requirements of God, but you're carrying Jesus himself with you everywhere you go. Do, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with, with a prostitute? Never. That never halalah uh, in, in Hebrew is like the the baddest meaning of like profanation. Like no, never. Uh, it's that's that would be profanity to say that to unite Christ with a prostitute or to unite Christ with something sinful. It should be just as profane, just as sick and disgusting, and as unappealing to unite yourself with something like that because you carry Jesus with you. you you're an example of Jesus to the rest of the world. You are carrying. God's written word with you because you picked it up that day. You picked up that cross and said, I'm gonna pick it up today and follow you. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna choose to, to live to what I once lived to. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Picking up this word every day, getting it into you, um, it it splits what what you want and what God wants, what what your soul, what your mind, will, and emotion wants versus the Holy Spirit in you wants for you to do. James um, James talks about it being a mirror, not just like a mirror that you stand up in, but a, a washing uh, basin that was shined at the bottom, where whenever you walked up. You saw the blood on your face. You saw the guilt that you had, how you didn't measure up and how something had to die for you because you didn't measure up. But what you also saw whenever you walked away is that that was clean. Is that you, you weren't 
that, that guilt was washed away. You, you saw your guilt clearly, and you also saw the innocence that, that you now have because it was paid for you clearly. And if, if you walk away with not keeping that in you, it's just like walking away and forgetting what you look like beforehand, forgetting how guilty you were and how what you wanted to do ended up with bloodshed, whether your own or somebody else's. And I, I don't want to forget that whenever I come out of the Word. I want to, to be able to, to remember what the Lord says to me on a daily basis through the Word. I want to be able not to just listen to the Word, but do what it says, like James also says. Um, before this is a, is a command that, that Paul gave to Timothy. Um, but I've been learning about these things in uh, the at the First Timothy Foundations class. Uh, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Um, I'm not going to read the rest of that, just because uh, what we've been learning in Foundations is that pure heart means we're supposed to be living unmixed with the world. We're supposed to be living in a way that that really shows no no sign of the world whatsoever. And at the very center of our being, we're supposed to be unmixed. And um, a good conscience, that means you're supposed to have a profitable inner witness uh, inside of you. Not just knowing what's, what's right or wrong by the world standards, but an inner witness inside of you that's profitable. And to, to sow to that inner witness that's already inside of you, which is to start off with not pure, uh, like like First Timothy says we're supposed to be, you need to sow more of God's word into that into that inner witness, so that it can be more and more profitable for you, and less non-profitable. <laughs> yeah, right. not for profit. And a, and a sincere faith. So we're supposed to be living with. Um, we're supposed to be living, being unmixed at the center of our being. And we're supposed to have a profitable inner witness that, that shows us what's right and what's wrong on a daily basis based on what we know of God's word already and what he's telling us to do in the moment by his Holy Spirit. And from a trust in God that, that's not acting, uh, that sincere faith right there, it's, it's a trust that shows no falseness, that shows no acting, that you, you actually do trust Jesus with your life. You do trust Jesus with your decisions from moment to moment and not just say that you do. And um, I'm just going to read this here. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish. I might want to look that up in the Greek. Uh, I've been taught that. I never knew that there were such strong words in, in, in the, the biblical language until I started coming to this church and learning all about mostly Hebrew, some Greek. Um, but it's a strong word for rubbish. That I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own, which was never righteousness, if, if we're all going to be honest, just what we thought was right to pacify our consciences. That comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. 
by trusting him, not by trusting our own arm and trying to do just what we want to do on a daily basis. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of, of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I, I want to know that power, y'all. I mean, I, and right here it says, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. We can't attain the life that Jesus had because of the power of the Holy Spirit in him without becoming like him in his death, without crucifying ourselves daily. I mean, you can't you can't have one without the other. It's like you can't have the peanut butter without the jelly. I mean, it's just you don't, you don't do it. Um, of course, I would make a food reference. Um, Amen. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Um, that that's the end of that slideshow, but it's it's not the end of the message. It's it's just all pointing me towards something uh, in the Word that God's been showing me that. I have to, like, it's a necessity for me to um, put on the righteous requirements of God because I'm just as flawed as any person sitting in here. Um, about, about a week or so ago, I didn't get into the Word for like three or four days and I felt cloudy and I felt like in a, in a fog and... Uh, during that time where I didn't put on those righteous requirements I I let, I let a part of me slip that, uh, that that I'm not proud of that uh, I'm not ever proud of I, I gave full vent to my anger and knowing what uh, Proverbs 29.11 says a fool gives full vent to his anger but a wise man keeps himself under control, knowing that I'm held more accountable. I know that James 19 and 20 says to be slow to anger, and that it says that anger does not bring about the righteous life that God requires. And I know in Jonah's in God's conversation with Jonah, God said, Jonah, what, what right do you have to be angry? All these things are in my mind all the time, so I'm more accountable to them. That's a scary thing, y'all, uh, that, that I can know all these things. I'm still not doing. Uh, and uh, not only did giving full vent to my anger hurt me and hurt my walk with Jesus, it, it hurt a brother of mine. And I just want to—I know—I know the situation was was resolved, but uh, that's no one I apologize for for letting that uh, letting that come out. I want to apologize to y'all for uh, not being as big of an example of Jesus as I could be. Uh, it wasn't even, it, it was my last message as I was talking about how I was afraid of the, the anger that was in me uh, sometimes and how that's going to translate to my future and all that and uh, it's just it's just very humbling uh, to know that or to be reminded of the fact that I, I can't do this alone and it's not just um, yesterday's bread it's, it's daily bread that's going to feed you and satisfy you. Um, and through all this, through through these past couple months, uh, God's been showing me more and more how to really get my fill of, of bread and walk away with something every day. Walk away with something that, that's life-giving. 
And uh, this is just kind of really informal. It's not in any kind of format. I just wanted to share with y'all some of the things in uh, some of the chapters of the Word that, that I've been I've been learning. Um, in in Psalms, um, we actually went over this in our singles class, and that's where I learned it uh, from from interaction with with uh, believers and from not secluding myself. I just want to encourage anybody out there that ever feels like, oh, I don't want to be part of this group because they won't have me. I don't want to be part of this group because I don't have anything in common with them. We all have the divine nature of God working in us. Thank you, Peter. Uh, and that's what we have in common. Everything else is just details. And coming together edifies each and every one of us. Builds us up, makes us more than we were whenever we walked into the meeting. I guarantee you, if you come with the expectation to be built up and the expectation to build others up, all of that will take place. I promise you. Uh, Psalm 101.3 I will set before my eyes no vile thing. As a young man, um, there's just struggles that, that young men go through, that men period go through. Um, and, and it's hard, but that's no excuse. And uh, this, this scripture just blew my mind as far as uh, my part in holiness and not putting, I, I, like, I will not make a choice to put something before my eyes that's vile, put something before my eyes that stumble, that makes me stumble. Um, that's just revolutionized my walk and how, how I walk out holiness in that area because it's just such an, an action-oriented verse. Like, it's, it's on you to not put anything before your eyes that makes you stumble. That's not, that's not solely anything lustful. If, if anybody else, if, if you have just that in view, it, you, you got to broaden your mind with that. Putting anything before your eyes that will make you stumble. Ladies, some of y'all, People Magazine or, or something like that. Putting something before your I'm not saying that reading that is bad, but putting so much of it before your eyes uh, that you begin to want that life rather than the one that Jesus gave you and being content with it. Like Paul said in every situation, that's a stumbling block before you. For, for you, that is vile because it's setting itself up against the knowledge of God. And that, that comes from uh, largely from a message that Matt taught on emotional pornography that, that's really, really amazing. Is, is it online? Look it up. I really recommend it. For anybody that hadn't, it's an amazing message. Um, moving on further in, in the Word to uh, Jeremiah. Um, it's, it's, it's a whole chapter, so we're not going to read the, the thing tonight, but uh, it's the story of Jeremiah and his prophecies to King Zedekiah, who was king of Israel at the time. And the Lord gave Jeremiah a word that the Babylonians would be coming. The British are coming, the British are coming. So Jeremiah was kind of like Paul Revere in his day. Uh, and the word from the Lord is submit to the Babylonians. Surrender to them because they're, they're my tool. Uh, they're coming to, to refine Israel. They're coming to take out the dross. Uh, that they're, they're God's tool. And surrender to them and you'll find life. Not only life, but you, you'll be able to have houses and, and have gardens and, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but if you don't, it'll result in not only your death, but your wife's death and your son's death and the capture of the entire city of Jerusalem. 
In chapter 27 of Jeremiah, it said in early on in Zedekiah's reign, Jeremiah began to say these things to him. So ignorance was not an excuse. Just like us, ignorance is not an excuse, y'all. It's really not. I mean, it, if you have the word here, it's not an excuse. Uh, part of Charlie's message was to be responsible with what God's already spoken to us. I, none of us even begin to know the word like, like Paul or lots of Jews in his day even did because they knew all 39 books of the Tanakh. But we are responsible for what God has already told us, what he's already shown us. And King Zedekiah remained disobedient. Not only that, but he, he began to, to question the, the words from the Lord. He began to say, like, well, I mean, if, if I surrender to him, won't this happen to me? Like, won't, won't I die? When God already told Jeremiah to tell, to tell Zedekiah, excuse me, y'all, to tell Zedekiah that if, if he surrendered, he would not die, that there would be life there. God already told him which way is life and which way is death. He was concerned that the way that God told him was life because it looked painful, because it looked difficult, that death would result. Does that, does that sound familiar to, to, to anybody? Like a way that God has told you is life, but because it seems difficult and it seems like there's going to be pain involved, you decide, no, I'm not going to go that way because that looks like death. And I know God wouldn't want me to, to go through that. Um, ultimately, Zedekiah seemed earnest enough in seeking a word from, from Jeremiah. But he was ultimately disobedient. It says in, in the nighttime, in chapters 38, 37 through 39, towards the end, uh, in the nighttime, Zedekiah snuck out with, with some of his officials and um, tried to escape. And soon after that, his eyes were bulged out or gouged out. He was put in stocks before King Nebuchadnezzar. His whole family was slaughtered and Jerusalem was burned to the ground. From Jeremiah, I learned the high cost, the extremely high cost of disobedience. Not just disobedience, but disobedience after repeated and repeated confirmation in what God's Word is telling you. And um, just, just be... Be diligent with what the Lord's already showed you because there's too high of a cost for disobedience. It, it's not worth it. Amen. Um, in Lamentations 3, I learned uh, in verse 21 through 23, which y'all can all turn there. This is, this is worth reading. It's a short verse. There. Um, a lot of people debate about who the author is. Uh, I'm not a biblical scholar in searching archaeological facts and extra-biblical readings that are dug up to, to find who the author is, but to me, having just read Jeremiah, this sounds a lot like it could be Jeremiah. Um, he, he's just lamenting, sad, he, he's, he's upset, he's sad, he's cringing inside. At, at everything that's going on around him. And, and at a point where it seems darkest, verse 21, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
And I, I, I want to say I don't know about y'all, but I do know about y'all because y'all are just like me. Um, there's been times where I need God's mercy to renew because I've taken the beautiful gift of His grace and spat on it. Uh, I had a brother, uh, Dustin, show me uh, something pretty revolutionary and revelationary. It's a revelation that he had. Um, in, in, in limitations, God's mercies renew every morning. So should ours. I mean, that goes right along with what Matthew 6, 14 and 15 is talking about, where it says, if you forgive your fellow man, your Father in heaven will forgive you. But if you don't forgive your man, your man, ladies, if you don't forgive your fellow man, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. So y'all, I, I mean, it's, keep that on your mind. Like, not just whenever you think about the person, because sometimes that may be weeks and weeks apart. But renew your mercies with the people that uh, unforgiveness tries to creep in with every morning. If somebody comes to your mind and whatever they did to you, whatever they said to you tries to come up, remember that verse, that God's, that God's mercies renew every morning and so should ours. I mean, uh, I, I learned lots of things in the Word. These are just, I mean, I figured we'd be here till. One o'clock in the morning, if, if I, I jotted them all down, these are just, I'm taking one little thing that I learned from from each from each part of uh, the chapter. Just to, just to give an example of how being in the Word daily can, can teach you and can, can bring life to you. And uh, in Ezekiel chapter 37, it's a, it's a familiar story about some, some bones. That's why I prefer bone out wings because it's just a lot less hassle. Yeah. Can I get angry? Uh, it's the story of uh, Ezekiel in the Valley of the Dry Bones. Ezekiel comes across this Valley of Dry Bones, and God tells them to speak life to them, and they start to grow tendons and muscles and, and sinews and, and skin. And uh, what I learned from that is, uh, no matter how bleak and devoid of life the situation seems. The second God's Spirit enters into the equation, life is produced. Um, and I shared this with with Joy. Push it, kids. Okay. I shared this with Joy the other the other day, and uh, I didn't even think it was that big of a deal, but she she said it was it was pretty good, so I thought it was worth sharing. Uh, I read in Proverbs seventeen twenty two that a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries the bones. So anytime you want to make a decision to stay in that crushed spirit state, uh, or whatever the Lord's telling you to be joyful, and the Lord's trying to give you the medicine of the joy that belongs to Him, that now belongs to you, that's your strength. Anytime you make a decision to put that frown on your face, rather than take the medicine of a cheerful heart, um, you're making a conscious decision to go to, back to the dry bones mill rather than life. That God's chosen for you. So take take the good medicine. Take take the life and and the the movement and the 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 blood pumping through you and, and the the feeling of life that you get whenever God's spirit's involved. Don't take the don't take the road back to the dry bones. Uh, 
Let me ask y'all something. Have you guys ever heard the story of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah? Yes. Can anybody tell me what it's more popularly known as? I didn't think everybody was going to know that. Uh, well, uh, just burst my bubble. No, but uh, that story in uh, in Daniel 1, 6 through 7, it also picks up a little bit later on in 3, 8 through 19. But there were people... Uh, there were young men that, that the uh, the king chose to, to kind of be his officials and a, and I guess, some kind of assistant to the king gave all these guys new names. It was Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel. They decided to give them names like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Belteshazzar. I think I got that right. Um, and then later on, like right there, the king decided to label them how he thought they should be labeled with, with Babylonian names rather than with Hebrew ones, rather than the ones that they were given. And later on, whenever the king exalted his idol, and Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah chose not to worship it, the king was surprised, and uh, he, he persecuted them for it. He, he put them in the fire, and ultimately they survived, and there was that fourth man in the fire and that um, that's just an amazing story of, of trust in Jesus to the point of shedding blood, to the point of dying, uh, one, that, one that we all need to embody. But what I learned from that is um, Nebuchadnezzar's first mistake was thinking that he knew where their allegiance lied, relayed. Thinking that he knew what to call them and what their, what their character was like. He decided to give them Babylonian names. And thought that he would worship, they would worship a Babylonian god. Now they were children of the Most High God. They were God's chosen people, the Hebrews, and they showed it. They showed their devotion to the Lord. And what I learned from that is we need to be constantly reminding the world and its powers of who we belong to and where our allegiance lies. That it's not with them. And no matter how much of a shock that may come to them in those moments of whenever you first introduce yourself. And say, hey, I'm a Christian, or hey, I love Jesus. And they're like, okay, I'm going to decide to give you this name, though. Because, I mean, a lot of people say that. A lot of people say they're one of God's people. But I'm just going to go ahead and, in my mind, give you the name that I think you are. Give you a type of character that I think you are. We need to be in the business of shaking that up. Regardless of what, what people in our workplaces think, what our family members think. We need to keep reminding them who, who we're with, who we're, who we're sticking with, and who's, who's called us. And who we belong to. Um, in, in Hosea uh, chapter 5. Tell me when you're there. Yeah. Somebody beat Dustin, please. Like, beat him there next time. <laughs> I'm going to start in. You know, I'm just going to start in verse 1. Hear this, you priests. Pay attention, you Israelites. Listen, O royal house. This judgment is against you. You have been a snare at Mizpah, a net, tread, a net spread out on Tabor. The rebels are deep in slaughter. I will discipline all of them. I know all about Ephraim. Israel is not hidden from me. Ephraim, you have now turned to prostitution. Israel is corrupt. Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. 
the spirit of prostitution is on their heart. They do not acknowledge the Lord. Israel's arrogance testifies against them. The Israelites, even Ephraim, stumble in their sin. Judah also stumbles with them. When they go with their flocks and herds to seek the Lord, they will not find him. He has withdrawn himself from them. They are unfaithful to the Lord. They give birth to illegitimate children. And immediately that evoked memory of, of what's in um, Hebrews 12, 7-8, talking about um, if you undergo correction, if you are disciplined like a son is disciplined, you are a true son and not an illegitimate child. And uh, having gone through some, some pretty difficult things recently, facing the, uh, the consequences of my own sin, um, correction is good. It's... It is life. It's, um, I mean, I don't know what more I can say about it other than this life. If, if you have somebody in your life that's willing to smack you across the face and do it in a, in a godly way that, that keeps you from death, it's life. Um, I don't want to be a product of prostitution anymore. That's what I was before I came to Jesus. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to return to my vomit. Um, I, I want to be a true son undergoing discipline and correction and listening to what my father tells me to do and not what I think is best for myself because that always results in what's not best for me. Right. Um, moving, on, I, moving on, I went to Jonah in, in chapter 4. Uh, it's just the, it's the conclusion of Jonah, and uh, where Jonah's ended up is kind of not caring about what happens to Nineveh. He, he's basically given up at the end, and uh, I just saw what resulted in that, and I just realized how much of a blessing it is to have godly and obedient men help guide my walk with Jesus. I, I yes, the the word says like that. The, the spirit can teach you so that no man need teach you but I mean I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have these men holding my hand sometimes and smacking it some other times um, I would be a lot less mature I know that for sure I would be a lot less like Jesus um, the next the next chapter that I want to share from is in Habakkuk that's with two K's at the beginning and then one K at the end, just in case. Because I, I, I got confused about that over and over again. Writing it down, making my notes. Chapter 3 starts out with Habakkuk's prayer. After he sees all this injustice going on. And uh, prays for uh, God's justice and God's righteous acts of old to, to come back. And at the end of this prayer, Habakkuk uh, acknowledges that God's justice is going to bring something that, that he might not like, that, um, that all of Israel might not like. It starts in verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Let's just pause there for a second. 
for a very agricultural and livestock oriented culture, that's pretty much everything that they have to offer to provide for themselves. It's going to be a drought of not only figs, but grapes and olives and any kind of food in the fields and sheep and cattle. I mean, not to mention their sacrifices, how they're going to be able to provide for themselves and provide for the sacrifices that they offer to the Lord. But I like verse 18 and uh, 19. I mean, it, verse 17 can be whatever it looks like in your life, but verse 18 and 19 are what matters. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Regardless of what is coming at you, rejoice in the Lord. It doesn't matter what verse 17 looks like to you in your life. What matters is that you live out 18 and 19. Uh, so a little kind of catchphrase for that would be rejoice regardless. Um, I actually wrote that. Capital R, capital E. Capital R, capital E. Um, if you're looking for something, uh, some some way that somebody walked that out. Acts 16.25 mentions Paul in the middle of the night singing praises to God while he's in chains. And immediately after that, the earth shook and they were they were released. And people's lives were changed out of it. The, the centurion guard that was there, the Macedonian man that was there, had his life changed. Um, and he, he, he came to know Jesus that day because even though things were going on around him, that looked bleak, that looked lifeless like those dry bones did back in Ezekiel 37. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. So make it a conscious decision to do that. To, to live out verse 18 no matter what 17 looks like in your life. Finally, the, the reason why I, I, I want to get all this stuff right, the reason why I, I owe my life to Jesus Um. And the reason why it's so important for not only me, but, but all of us to do that is in Zechariah chapter 3. Yeah. We're just going to read the whole chapter because it's only 10 verses long. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched, burning stick snatched from the fire? That's me. I mean, I, I was snatched from the fire. I was a depressed, porn addicted. Oh, I'm just being honest here, y'all. Depressed, porn addicted, suicidal, selfish young man. That's where I was headed. I was headed for hell. Regardless of how I was trying to, my mom tried to raise me in church. Regardless of um, whatever her stance was with Jesus. Where I was headed was hell. And I was snatched out the fire. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. 
Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you a place among these standing here. Listen, O high priest Joshua, and your associates seated before you, who are men symbolic of things to come. I'm going to bring my servant the branch. See the stone I have set in front of Joshua. There are seven eyes on that one stone, and I will engrave an inscription on it that says, or says the Lord Almighty, and I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. And that day each of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and fig tree, declares the Lord Almighty. That happened in a single day, but it's still happening for everybody. It happened on a single day whenever you made that decision to, to turn from the life that you were living and live for Jesus. But, but it's a continuous process. It, it's, not just, it's not just what, what happened that, that one day. Because if it, if it was that one day that I got saved, then I, 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 would, I would still be, be damned to, to hell to this day because I need salvation working in me daily. Um, and, and I need to hide God's word in my heart daily so that I might not sin against him. Like Psalm 119.11 says. And um, I just want to encourage y'all that, that whenever we hide the word in our heart daily and not sin against them, we, we become a more clear resolution of what, what Jesus looks like. Whenever we have the righteous requirements of God and put them on daily so that we have something, whenever a sinful thought comes up, we have a thought from the word right alongside it to crush it. Uh, when we do that daily, we, we begin to look more like Jesus. And, and as we're sharper, I know this isn't the same use of the word, but as we're that sharper image of Jesus, we're, we sharpen one another. Amen. If we look more like Jesus and become sharper and sharper, uh, we, since we're so closely knit with our brothers, we make each other look sharper. And as we've constantly said, whenever things are sharpened, sparks fly. Uh, and living in a house with three other guys, sometimes four other guys, that sharpening process, ooh wee. Uh, it it sometimes it's it's not fun, but it's all life. Sometimes it's it's difficult, but it's all life. Um, so I would encourage y'all to, to take up that cross daily, take up God's word because from experience, knowing how lifeless I really felt in in those couple of days, like I think last week or two weeks ago, that. I mean, that, that's whenever the, the enemy can get you. I mean, it, whenever you're not constantly renewing yourself in the Word, renewing your mind. Uh, the Word says in First Peter 5, 8, 9, to be self-controlled and alert. And um, you need to be alert with uh, what the Word says. And the last thing I want to read to you all tonight, something that uh, Pastor Piro pointed out to me just before the service that I think is really fitting. It's in 2 Peter, starting in verse 3. Uh, 2 Peter 1, starting in verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. 
So just like it says elsewhere in the word that we've been given every spiritual blessing, um, we've been given everything we need for life and for and for godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us, through our knowledge of what Jesus' character looks like in the Word. You have everything that you need right here. So again, ignorance is not an excuse. Um, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. You don't have to participate in your own nature anymore because Jesus has empowered you to participate in his. So with all the knowledge in the world that you can have, sometimes it seems like you can't do it. It seems like it's too much. Like I can't measure up to all this that I see in the Word. I can't measure up to what Jesus has done. I was feeling like that just before this message because I had something pointed out in my life that I knew I was guilty of. And I started to feel like I wasn't competent because of that. And um, But I'm a participator in the divine nature, not in my own. And so if, if I'm relying on Jesus... For my every thought and for my every action and for my every choice. If it's coming from Him, why do I need to feel like I'm being incompetent? Why do I need to feel not confident? There's no reason to. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Whenever, whenever you have that first initial trust in God, you trust that, that he's, He is who He says He is and he, He's done for you what he, he said He's done. Be Make an effort to, to be good, to, to do what you, you know is right. And to that goodness, add knowledge. Because goodness in and of itself is not enough. Because there's a way that seems right to a man, Proverbs says, but in the end it leads to death. What we may think is good is not necessarily God. That's why you add to goodness knowledge. The knowledge of God's character in the Word daily. And to knowledge, self-control. Whenever you, whenever you have what Jesus looks like in front of your face daily, you're, you're able to, to process that, what Jesus looks like versus what I look like, and to control self within you, because you know that self is not lining up with that knowledge. And to self-control perseverance. Once, you, once you've controlled self enough, you, you begin to have more endurance, just like uh, working out with, uh, with John and Zeke and, and Dustin and, and uh, Nolan sometimes, and one time Cody and one time Mike. Uh, it, it produces endurance in you the more you do it. The more you begin to say like, oh God, no, I don't want to wake up at 5.30, but I'm going to, because I know it's going to be good for me to work out from 6 to 7.15 and sweat more than I thought I could ever sweat in my life. Uh, amen. It's going to produce life for me. And to perseverance, godliness. The more and more practice you have with that, controlling yourself, the more and more you look like Jesus. The more and more you got God's character in you rather than your own. And then whenever God's working in you to be godly yourself, it shows fruit externally when you add to your godliness brotherly kindness. And once you've had practice with that, being kind to your brothers, being um, polite and being pleasant to them and showing the kindness that Jesus had towards people like like the kindness he had um, to the to the rich young ruler it says he looked at him and then he loved him 
once you've gotten that kindness down, you, you're able to love like Jesus loved. And that that's really where, where it's all headed. Um, to show the kind of love that Jesus showed us through our actions with one another. Four, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure. So you go back to the beginning. Possess faith in increasing measure. Possess all that increasing measure. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want to learn how to how to be efficient, uh, if you want to, if anybody in here has ever been an efficiency expert or anything like that, uh, it, or uh, risk assessor or anything like that, know how how to run things properly so that life is produced and so that uh, things aren't at a low. Possess these things in increasing measure, constantly. Renew them daily. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Just like that man in James 1 talking about um, walking away from the mirror, forgetting what you look like, forgetting the fact that you saw your face with blood on it and you washed it in the Word and you saw your face cleansed and then walking away and then living like that never happened. That, that's what happens if you don't possess these in increasing measure by washing your mind and washing yourself in the Word daily. So I just encourage y'all, along with myself, keep me accountable to this. I mean, I've been told that, uh, not just been told, but I've experienced that whenever you whenever you uh, give a message, it's it's it seems to just be not a fluke, but a, a, a plus B equals C type thing that uh, you, you get a lot more of an attack. So ask me what I've been reading in the Word next time you see me. Hold me accountable to what I, I say I'm doing here, what I've been doing. Uh, help me keep running this race. And, and I'll do the same with y'all, and we'll, we'll become that sharper image. Amen. Amen. That's about it. Yeah. a lot of times that uh, you feel whenever you preach is that you have to bring some kind of new revelation. Something that no one's ever heard before or whatever it may be. The new revelation is how the Word has impacted you. And more specifically, one thing that Brandon did that I love and I appreciate is that he didn't share his perfection. He shared his weaknesses. Amen. And out of those weaknesses and the way that the Word related to them in his life is what he shared with us. It makes it beautiful. makes it encouraging. And ultimately helps fulfill this sign right back behind here, perform out there what you practice in here, which is whenever you're ministering to other people, it's not out of your strength or your perfection of the word. It's out of your weakness and dependency on God's ability within you. That's the scripture that he was sharing last the second Peter. So you guys love Brandon? Amen. Yeah, let's stand up and we'll pray. Mighty God, Jesus, I thank you for this body. And Jesus, I thank you for Brandon. Thank you for bringing your word through him, through his experience, Lord, and connecting with you and demonstrating and walking out what your word says to him. Thank you for his obedience, Jesus. Lord, I pray that as we walk away tonight, that we perform out there what we practice in here. And that is taking our, our brother's weaknesses as an encouragement through it and applying it in our own life. Jesus, we thank you for sending us out and giving us your divine nature and power to carry it out. We love you, mighty God, and we bless you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You guys go be blessed and have an awesome week.